Hi, everyone. This is Ted O'Connell, author of USMLE Step 2 Secrets. Before we get started with this episode of the podcast, I just want to tell you about a new project I'm developing called MedPrep to Go. The idea here is to create a free online and audio USMLE question bank for both Step 1 and Step 2, with the overall goal of reducing the cost of medical education and giving you time back in your day, just like we're doing with this podcast. It's still early in the process, and we're adding a lot of questions and new episodes of the podcast regularly, but I'd love to have you go check it out at medpreptogo.com. And if you're interested in getting involved in developing questions for this question bank and getting some mentoring directly from me on how to develop questions, I'd love to have you involved. You can email me at ted.medpreptogo at gmail.com or you can go over to medpreptogo.com and sign up through the website. So thanks so much for uh, listening and enjoy the podcast. I'm Ted O'Connell, author of USMLE Step 2 Secrets and Chief Content Officer for Inside the Boards. This is the Step 2 Secrets podcast, where we provide you the high-yield content from Step 2 Secrets in audio format, as well as question breakdowns, so you can study on the go and get back to reclaiming some of your life. Welcome to the Step 2 Secrets podcast. I am Patrick Beeman, founder and host of the Inside the Boards podcast. I'm here today to give you a question from Elsevier's Clinical Key. A 20-year-old male presents with a painless ulcer on the glands of his penis, no other constitutional symptoms. He has a positive VDRL at a ratio of 1 to 64. Dark field microscopy of the ulcer exudates shows spiral organisms. The patient reports a history of anaphylaxis from receiving amoxicillin. Which of the following antibiotics should be used to treat this patient? Is it A, metronidazole, B, clarithromycin, C, doxycycline, or D, tobramycin? And the correct answer here is choice C, doxycycline. So this man has primary syphilis as manifested by the chancre. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the first-line treatment for primary syphilis is a one-time dose of intramuscular benzathine penicillin G. For patients who are allergic to penicillin, however, doxycycline or tetracycline taken for 14 days is an acceptable alternative, as is intramuscular ceftriaxone, 1 to 2 grams daily, for 14 days. Note that in pregnant patients who have syphilis and for whatever reason cannot take beta-lactams due to a history of allergy, the correct treatment modality is penicillin desensitization. You can't give them doxycycline because of the teratogenic effects. So, in pregnancy, even if somebody has an allergy to penicillin, you still give them penicillin after desensitizing them. To briefly look at the other answer choices, A was metronidazole. So this has a limited spectrum of activity that includes some gram-negative and gram-positive anaerobes. It's used to treat some parasitic infections, like trichomoniasis. It's also used to treat bacterial vaginosis. 
and was previously used to treat Clostridium difficile, but is no longer recommended as first-line therapy due to drug resistance. Metronidazole is not effective for the treatment of primary syphilis, a gram-negative aerobe. Option B was clarithromycin. As it stands now, there's simply insufficient experience with this drug to recommend its use in treating syphilis, so that one's wrong. Choice D was tobramycin. This antibiotic is generally used for infections with gram-negative organisms, but does not have a role in primary syphilis treatment. Learning point, basically, doxycycline is an acceptable second-line treatment of primary syphilis in cases of allergy to penicillin, except in pregnancy, in which case it's still penicillin, like I said before, but you have to desensitize them first. Now, back to USMLE Step 2 Secrets with Dr. Ted O'Connell. This is Ted O'Connell, and this is the the Infectious Diseases chapter in USMLE Step 2 Secrets, 5th edition. Question 1. Cover the middle and right-hand columns and specify which bugs are associated with each type of infection and what type of empiric antibiotic should be used while waiting for culture results. For urinary tract infection, the main organism is E. coli. Empiric antibiotics include cephalosporins, nitrofurantoin, although you should avoid in the elderly and those with decreased renal function, amoxicillin, and quinolones. For bronchitis, main organisms are viruses, and then haemophilus influenza, mycoplasma, chlamydia pneumoniae, and moraxella species. Empiric antibiotics, usually there's no benefit from antibiotics. You may consider macrolides or doxycycline in cases such as a purulent cough greater than 7 to 10 days duration. For pneumonia, classic pneumonia that is, main organisms are streptococcus pneumoniae and H. influenza. Empiric antibiotics, azithromycin, third-generation cephalosporin, or levofloxacin. For atypical pneumonia, the main organisms are mycoplasma and chlamydia species. Empiric antibiotics are macrolides or doxycycline. For osteomyelitis, the main organisms are staph aureus and salmonella species. Empiric antibiotics, vancomycin, ceftazidime, or piperacillin tazobactam. For cellulitis, the main organisms are streptococci and staphylococci. Empiric antibiotics, cephalexin, dicloxacillin, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, doxycycline, or clindamycin are often used as first-line agents due to the emergence of MRSA. For neonatal meningitis, the main organisms are streptococci B, E. coli, and listeria. Empiric antibiotics, ampicillin plus an aminoglycoside, usually gentamicin, and expanded-spectrum third-generation cephalosporin, such as cefotaxime, should be added if a gram-negative organism is suspected. For meningitis in a child or adult, the main organisms are strep pneumoniae and Neisseria meningitidis, empiric antibiotics, cefotaxime or ceftriaxone plus vancomycin. For endocarditis in a native valve, staphylococci and streptococci, empiric antibiotics, and anti-staphylococcal penicillin, or vancomycin if the patient is allergic to penicillin, plus an aminoglycoside. For endocarditis in a prosthetic valve, 
There are numerous different organisms. Treat empirically with vancomycin plus gentamicin plus cefepime or acarvapenem. For sepsis, think of gram-negative organisms, streptococci, and staphylococci. Treat with the third-generation penicillin or cephalosporin plus an aminoglycoside or imipenem. For septic arthritis, think staph aureus, gram-negative bacilli, or gonococci. Treat staph aureus with vancomycin, the gram-negative bacilli with ceftazidime or ceftriaxone, and gonococci with ceftriaxone, ciprofloxacin, or spectinomycin. Question 2. Cover the right-hand columns and specify the empiric antibiotic of choice for each organism. First, strep A or B, the antibiotic is penicillin or cefazolin. Other choices, erythromycin. For strep pneumoniae, a third-generation cephalosporin, such as ceftriaxone, plus vancomycin. Other choices, fluoroquinolone, such as levofloxacin. For enterococcus, treat with penicillin or ampicillin, plus an aminoglycoside, such as gentamicin. Other choices are vancomycin plus an aminoglycoside. For staph aureus, treat with an anti-staphylococcus penicillin, such as methicillin. Other choices, vancomycin, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, doxycycline, clindamycin, or linazolid for MRSA. For gonococcus, treat with ceftriaxone. Other choices, cefixime or high-dose azithromycin, followed by a test of cure in one week. For meningococcus, treat with cefotaxime or ceftriaxone. Other choices, chloramphenicol or penicillin G if proven to be penicillin susceptible. For haemophilus, treat with a second or third generation cephalosporin. Other choices, amoxicillin. For pseudomonas, treat with an anti-pseudomonal penicillin such as ticarcillin or piperacillin with or without a beta-lactamase lactamase inhibitor, such as clavulanic acid or tazobactam. Other choices are ceftazidime, cefepime, astrianam, imipenem, or ciprofloxacin. For bacteroides, treat with metronidazole, alternatively, clindamycin. For mycoplasma, treat with erythromycin or azithromycin with doxycycline as an alternative. For treponema pallidum, treat with penicillin with doxycycline as an alternative. For chlamydia, treat with doxycycline or azithromycin. Other alternatives, erythromycin or ofloxacin. For Lyme disease due to Borrelia, treat with cefuroxime, doxycycline, or amoxicillin. Erythromycin is an alternative. Question 3. Cover the right-hand column and specify what each gram stain most likely represents. A blue or purple color is a gram-positive organism. Red color is a gram-negative organism. Gram-positive cocci in chains is streptococci. Gram-positive cocci in clusters, staphylococci. Gram-positive cocci in pairs or diplococci is strep pneumoniae. Gram-positive coxobacilli, or small rods, is haemophilus. Gram-negative diplococci is Neisseria species. As a sexually transmitted disease, septic arthritis, or meningitis. Or it can be more axella species, in the lungs or for sinusitis. Plump 
gram-negative rod with a thick capsule, a mucoid appearance, is Klebsiella. Gram-positive rods that form spores is Clostridium or Bacillus. Pseudohyphae is Candida. Acid-fast organisms is Mycobacterium, usually Mycobacterium tuberculosis, or Nocardia. Gram-positive with sulfur granules is Actinomyces in pelvic inflammatory disease in IUD users, and it's also a rare cause of neck mass or cervical adenitis. Silver staining is Pneumocystis gerovecii, Cryptococcus, Candida, Legionella, H. pylori, Treponema, and cat scratch disease due to Bartonella hensile. Positive India ink preparation thick capsule is Cryptococcus neoformans, and a spirochete is Treponema or Leptospira species. Both are seen only on dark field microscopy or Borrelia species, which is seen with a regular light microscope. Question four, what is the gold standard for diagnosis of pneumonia? Sputum culture. Try to get the culture before starting antibiotics, though many physicians treat empirically without culture in routine cases. Get blood cultures too, because bacteremia is common with pneumonia. Question five, what is the most common cause of pneumonia? How does it classically present? Strep pneumoniae. Look for rapid onset of shaking chills after one to two days of upper respiratory infection symptoms, such as sore throat, runny nose, and dry cough, followed by fever, pleurisy, and productive cough with yellowish-green or rust-colored sputum from blood, especially in older adults. Chest radiograph shows lobar consolidation, and the white blood cell count is high with a large percentage of neutrophils. Treat with a macrolide, such as azithromycin or clarithromycin, or with doxycycline, third-generation cephalosporin plus a macrolide or doxycycline, or a fluoroquinolone that provides atypical coverage, such as levofloxacin or moxifloxacin. Question 6. What is the best prevention against strep pneumoniae? Vaccination. Give pneumococcal vaccine to all children as well as adult patients over 65 years old, splenectomized patients, patients with sickle cell disease who have autosplenectomy or splenic dysfunction, immunocompromised patients such as those with HIV, malignancy, or organ transplant, and all patients with chronic diseases such as diabetes, cardiac disease, asthma and other pulmonary disease, renal disease, liver disease, or tobacco use. Question 7. How do you recognize and treat Haemophilus influenza pneumonia? Haemophilus influenza is now uncommon in children due to vaccination, but it is still an important cause of pneumonia in the elderly and in those with underlying lung disease such as COPD. It often resembles pneumococcal pneumonia clinically, but look for gram-negative coxobacilli on sputum gram stain. Treat with amoxicillin or a second or third generation cephalosporin. Question 8. Describe the hallmarks of Staphylococcus aureus pneumonia. Staph aureus tends to cause hospital-acquired, that is, nosocomial, pneumonia and pneumonia in patients with cystic fibrosis, along with Pseudomonas species. You see it in intravenous drug abusers and patients with chronic granulomatous disease. Look for recurrent lung abscesses. 
Empyema and lung abscesses are relatively common in Staph aureus pneumonia. Staph aureus pneumonia can be a complication of influenza. Question 9. In what clinical situations do you tend to see gram-negative pneumonias? Pseudomonas infection is classically associated with cystic fibrosis. Klebsiella infection is associated with people with alcoholism and people who are homeless. Watch for classic description of current jelly sputum. Enteric gram-negative organisms such as E. coli are associated with aspiration, neutropenia, and hospital-acquired pneumonia. These types of pneumonias often have a high mortality rate because of the types of patients affected and the severity of the pneumonia. Abscesses are common. Treat empirically with an anti-pseudomonal penicillin such as ticarcillin or piperacillin with or without a beta-lactamase inhibitor such as clavulanate or tazobactam. Alternatives include ceftazidime or ciprofloxacin. Question 10. How do you recognize mycoplasma pneumonia? Mycoplasma infection is most common in adolescents and young adults. The classic patient is a college student or soldier who lives in a dormitory or barracks and has sick contacts. It is one of the atypical pneumonias because it presents differently from typical pneumonia due to strep pneumonia. For example, it has a long prodrome with gradual worsening of malaise, headaches, dry, non-productive cough, and sore throat. The fever tends to be low-grade. Chest radiograph shows a patchy, diffuse bronchopneumonia and classically looks terrible, although the patient often does not feel that bad, which is why it is sometimes called walking pneumonia. Look for positive cold agglutinin antibody titers, which may cause hemolysis or anemia. Atypical pneumonia is treated empirically with a macrolide antibiotic, such as azithromycin, or with doxycycline or a broad-spectrum fluoroquinolone, such as levofloxacin or moxifloxacin. Question 11. What about chlamydia pneumonia? Chlamydia species is secondary only to mycoplasma as the cause of atypical pneumonia in adolescents and young adults. It presents similar, similarly, but has negative cold agglutinin antibody titers. Treat with erythromycin in children under 8 years of age, and either azithromycin or doxycycline in children over 8 years of age in adolescents and adults. Question 12. In what setting do you see pneumocystis gyrovecii pneumonia, PCP, and cytomegalovirus, CMV, pneumonia? HIV-positive patients with CD4 counts less than 200, which is AIDS-defining, and other severely immuno suppressed patients, such as those with organ transplants who are taking powerful immunosuppressants, or patients on cancer chemotherapy. They're susceptible to PCP. In patients with AIDS, PCP is the most common opportunistic pneumonia and may require bronchoalveolar lavage for diagnosis. PCP can be seen with silver stains and typically causes bilateral interstitial lung infiltrates. Chest x-ray may show a bat wing appearance which represents bilateral interstitial infiltrates. LDH may be elevated, and ABG may show an increased AA gradient. Treat with trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole plus corticosteroids. CMV pneumonia is characterized by intracellular inclusion bodies. Treat with valgancyclovir. Question 13. What is the best time to treat PCP? 
before it happens. PCP is acquired when the CD4 count is below 200. At that point, you should institute PCP prophylaxis with trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. Alternatives include dapsone or atovaquone. Question 14. Cover the two right-hand columns. Specify the organism after looking at the scenario associated with it. Scenario. Stuck with a thorn or gardening. Think sporothrix schenkii and treat with itraconazole. An aplastic crisis and sickle cell disease. Think parvovirus B19. Sepsis after splenectomy. Think streptomoniae, H. influenza, and Neisseria meningitidis, which are all encapsulated organisms. Pneumonia in the southwest, such as California or Arizona. Think coccidioides imidis. Treat with itraconazole or fluconazole, or with amphotericin B for severe disease. Pneumonia after cave exploring or exposure to bird droppings in the Ohio and Mississippi River Valleys, think histoplasma capsulatum. The majority are self-limited and do not require treatment. For pneumonia after exposure to a parrot or exotic bird, think chlamydia psittacae and treat with doxycycline or azithromycin. For a fungus ball or hemoptysis after tuberculosis or a cavitary lung disease, think aspergillus. Treat with voriconazole. For pneumonia in a patient with silicosis, think tuberculosis. Diarrhea after hiking and drinking from a stream, think Giardia lamblia. Stool cysts are seen and treat with metronidazole. A pregnant woman with cats, think Toxoplasma gondii. Treat the infected pregnant women with spiromycin. B12 deficiency and abdominal symptoms, think Diphilobothrium latum the intestinal tapeworm. Seizures with a ring-enhancing brain lesion on CT. Think teniasolium or cystocercosis or toxoplasmosis. Treat neurocystocercosis with albendazole or praziquantel, usually with steroids, and consider anticonvulsants. Squamous cell bladder cancer in Middle East or Africa. Think schistosoma hematobium. A worm infection in children, think enterobius. There's a positive tape test and perianal itching. Treat with mebendazole or albendazole. Fever, muscle pain, eosinophilia, and periorbital edema after eating raw meat. Think trichinella spiralis, which is trichinosis. Gastroenteritis in young children, think rotavirus or Norwalk virus. Food poisoning after eating reheated rice, think Bacillus cereus. The infection is usually self-limited. Food poisoning after eating raw seafood, think Vibrio parahemolyticus. Diarrhea after travel to Mexico, think E. coli. Treat with ciprofloxacin. Diarrhea after antibiotics, think Clostridium difficile. Now, the recommendations for this have changed, and it's different than what's written, currently written in the book. Use oral vancomycin or fidaxomycin. Oral metronidazole may be used in settings where access to vancomycin or fidaxomycin is limited for an initial episode of non-severe Clostridium difficile infection. A baby paralyzed after eating honey? Think Clostridium botulinum. The toxin blocks acetylcholine release. 
genital lesions in children in the absence of sexual abuse or activity, think molluscum contagiosum. Cellulitis after a cat or dog bite, think pastorella multicida. Treat the animal bite wounds with prophylactic amoxicillin clavulanic acid, also called augmentin. A slaughterhouse worker with fever, think brucellosis. Pneumonia after being in a hotel or near an air conditioner or water tower, think Legionella pneumophila. Treat with azithromycin or levofloxacin. A burned wound infection with a blue-green color, think Pseudomonas species. Staph aureus is also a common burn infection, but it lacks the blue-green color. Question 15. How is syphilis diagnosed? Screen for syphilis with an RPR or VDRL. Confirm a positive test with an FTA-ABS or MHA-TP test because false positive occurs with the RPR and VDRL tests, classically in patients with lupus erythematosus. Once syphilis is treated, the RPR and VDRL tests become negative, whereas the FTA-ABS and MHA-TP tests often remain positive for life. You can also scrape the base of a genital chancre or condyloma lata and look for spirochetes on dark field microscopy. Question 16. Which group of patients should always be screened for syphilis? Pregnant women. Early treatment can prevent birth defects. Question 17. How is syphilis treated? With penicillin. Use doxycycline for penicillin allergic patients. Question 18. Describe the three stages of syphilis. Primary stage. Look for a painless chancre that resolves on its own within eight weeks. Secondary stage. Roughly six weeks to 18 months after infection. Look for condyloma lata, a maculopapular rash that classically involves the palms and soles of the feet, and lymphadenopathy. And the tertiary stage. Years after the initial infection, between the secondary and tertiary stages is the latent phase, in which the disease is quiet and asymptomatic. Look for gummas, which are granulomas in many different organs. Neurologic symptoms and signs, such as neurosyphilis, Argyle-Robertson pupil, dementia, paresis, Tabes dorsalis, or Charcot joints, and also look for thoracic aortic aneurysms. Question 19. How do you recognize measles infection in a child? Pathognomonic coplic spots, which are tiny white spots on the buccal mucosa, are seen three days after high fever, cough, runny nose, and conjunctivitis with or without photophobia. On the next day, a maculopapular rash begins on the head and neck and spreads downward to cover the trunk. There's a cephalocaudal progression. Look for a history or lack of immunization. Treat supportively. Patients are contagious until several days after the rash first appears. Don't forget to contact the health department regarding cases of measles. Question 20. Describe the complications of measles. Complications include giant cell pneumonia, especially in very young and immunocompromised patients, otitis media, and encephalitis, either acute or late, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, which usually occurs years later. Question 21. Why is rubella infection, or German measles, an important disease? 
Infection in pregnant mothers can cause severe birth defects in the fetus. Screen all women of reproductive age and immunize those without evidence of rubella antibodies before pregnancy to avoid this complication. Remember, however, that the vaccine is contraindicated in pregnant women. Question 22. How do you recognize a rubella infection in children? What are the complications? Rubella is milder than measles. Signs and symptoms include low-grade fever, malaise, and tender swelling of the sub-occipital and post-auricular nodes. Arthralgias are common. After a two- to three-day prodrome, a faint maculopapular rash appears on the face and neck and spreads to the trunk, a cephalocaudal progression, just as in measles. Complications include encephalitis and otitis media. Question 23. How do you recognize roseola and phantom? What causes it? Roseola and phantom is often easy to recognize because of the progression. High fever, which may be higher than 40 degrees Celsius, with no apparent cause for four days, which may result in febrile seizures, followed by an abrupt return to normal temperature, just as a diffuse macular or maculopapular rash appears on the chest and abdomen. It may be associated with lymphadenopathy, erythematous tympanic membranes, and sterile pyuria. It is caused by the human herpes virus type 6, a DNA herpes family virus. The diagnosis is clinical and treatment is supportive. The disease is rare in children older than 3 years. Question 24. How do you recognize erythema infectiosum, or fifth disease, in children? What causes it? Look for the classic slapped cheek rash. It's confluent erythema over the cheeks that looks like someone slapped the child across the face, accompanied by mild constitutional symptoms such as low fever and malaise. One day later, a maculopapular rash appears on the arms, legs, and trunk. The disease is caused by parvovirus B19, the same virus that causes aplastic crisis in sickle cell disease. Parvovirus can have serious consequences during pregnancy, including fetal demise. Question 25. How do you recognize chickenpox? What causes it? The description and progression of the rash should lead you to the diagnosis. A discrete, intensely pruritic macules, usually on the trunk, turn into papules, which turn into vesicles that rupture and crust over. Such changes occur within one day. Because the lesions appear in successive crops, the rash will be in different stages of progression in different areas. The cause is the varicella virus. Question 26. How can you make a definitive diagnosis of chickenpox? At what point is a patient with chickenpox no longer infectious? A sank smear of tissue from the base of a vesicle shows multinucleated giant cells. Presumptive diagnosis can be made if the rash is classic. Infectivity ceases only when the last lesion crusts over. Question 27. What are the complications of chickenpox? A complication is infection of the lesions with streptococci or staphylococci, which can cause impetigo, erysipelas, cellulitis, and or sepsis. The patient should be instructed to keep clean to avoid infection. Other complications include pneumonia, especially in very young children, adults, and immunocompromised patients, encephalitis, and Rye syndrome. 
Do not give aspirin to a child with a fever unless you have a diagnosis that requires its use. The varicella zoster virus can reactivate years later to cause herpes zoster, also known as shingles, a rash that develops in a dermatomal distribution with preceding pain and paresthesias. A child who has not been immunized or exposed to chickenpox can catch the disease from someone with shingles. Question 28. Describe the treatment and prophylaxis for chickenpox. No treatment other than supportive care, such as acetaminophen, fluids, avoidance of infecting others, is needed in most cases. Acyclovir can be used in severe cases. Routine vaccination with the varicella vaccine is now recommended for all children in the United States. Varicella zoster immune globulin is available for prophylaxis in patients with debilitating illness, such as leukemia or AIDS, if you see them within four days of exposure, and also for newborns of mothers with chickenpox. IV immunoglobulin can be given if varicella zoster immune globulin is not available. Question 29. What is scarlet fever? What causes it? How is it recognized and treated? Scarlet fever is a febrile illness with a rash caused by certain streptococcus species. Look for a history of untreated streptococcal pharyngitis. Only streptococcal species that produce erythrogenic toxin can cause scarlet fever. Pharyngitis is followed by a sandpaper-like rash on the abdomen and trunk with classic circumoral pallor and strawberry tongue. The rash tends to desquamate once the fever subsides. Oral penicillin V is the treatment of choice for streptococcal pharyngitis to prevent rheumatic fever. Alternative therapies include amoxicillin, cephalosporin, macrolides, or clindamycin. Question 30. What are the diagnostic criteria for Kawasaki disease, also called mucocutaneous lymph node syndrome? Fever more than five days, which is mandatory for diagnosis, bilateral conjunctival injection, changes in the lips, tongue, or oral mucosa, such as strawberry tongue, fissuring, and injection, changes in the extremities, such as skin desquamation, edema, or erythema, a polymorphous truncal rash, which usually begins one day after the fever starts, and cervical lymphadenopathy. Also look for arthralgia or arthritis. This is a rare disease seen in patients under 5 years old. Question 31. What is the most feared complication of Kawasaki disease? How do you prevent it? Complications involving the heart, such as coronary artery aneurysms, congestive heart failure, arrhythmias, myocarditis, and even myocardial infarction. Follow the child with echocardiography to detect heart involvement. Include Kawasaki disease in the differential diagnosis of any child who has an MI. If Kawasaki disease is suspected, give aspirin and intravenous immunoglobulins. Both have proven to reduce cardiac lesions. Kawasaki disease is one of the few indications for aspirin in a child. Question 32. Describe the classic findings of Epstein-Barr virus infection also called infectious mononucleosis. Fatigue, fever, pharyngitis, and cervical lymphadenopathy in a young adult. The signs and symptoms are similar to those of streptococcal pharyngitis, but malaise tends to be prolonged and pronounced in Epstein-Barr virus infection. 
Differentiate from streptococcal pharyngitis, look for the following. Splenomegaly. Patients are at increased risk of splenic rupture and should avoid contact sports and heavy lifting. Hepatomegaly. Atypical lymphocytes. They're bizarre forms that may resemble leukemia with lymphocytosis, anemia, or thrombocytopenia. Positive serology. Heterophile antibodies. For example, a monospot test or specific Epstein-Barr virus antibodies, viral capsid antigen, or Epstein-Barr nuclear antigens. Question 33. What is an important differential diagnosis of EBV infection or influenza infection? Acute HIV infection, which can cause a mononucleosis-like syndrome. Question 34. What is the association between Epstein-Barr virus and cancer? Epstein-Barr virus is associated with nasopharyngeal cancer, African Burkitt lymphoma, and post-transplant lymphoproliferative disorder. Question 35. Describe the classic clinical vignette for Rocky Mountain spotted fever. What causes it? What is the treatment? Look for history of a tick bite, especially in a patient on the East Coast, one week before the development of high fever and chills, severe headache, and prostration or severe malaise. A rash appears roughly four days later on the palms and wrists and soles and ankles and spreads rapidly to the trunk and face, which is a unique pattern of spread. Patients often look quite ill, such as having disseminated intravascular coagulation or delirium. The infection is caused by rickettsia rickettsii. Treat with doxycycline. Chloramphenicol is a second choice. Question 36. How do you recognize and treat the rash of impetigo? What causes it? Impetigo is a superinfection of a break in the skin, such as previous chickenpox, insect bite, scabies, or a cut. Impetigo is caused by streptococcus and staphylococcus species. The rash starts as thin-walled vesicles that rupture and form yellowish crusts. The, cla- the skin classically is described as weeping. Typical lesions appear on the face and tend to be localized. The rash is infectious. Look for history of sick contacts. Treat with dicloxacillin, cephalexin, or clindamycin to cover both streptococcus and staphylococcus. Topical mupirocin also may be used. Question 37. Describe the two clinical types of endocarditis. What are the causative organisms? Acute or fulminant endocarditis, which typically affects normal heart valves and most commonly is caused by Staphylococcus aureus. Subacute, which has an insidious onset and typically affects previously damaged or prosthetic valves. The most common cause is Streptococcus viridans, but other streptococcal and staphylococcal species also may cause endocarditis, such as Staphylococcus epidermis, Streptococcus bovis, and Enterococci. Suspect colon cancer if Strep bovis turns up on blood culture. Question 38. How is endocarditis diagnosed and treated? The diagnosis is generally made by blood cultures. Empiric treatment is begun until the culture and sensitivity results are known. An anti-staphylococcal penicillin, such as oxacillin or nafcillin, plus an aminoglycoside is a good choice for native valve endocarditis. 
a third-generation penicillin or cephalosporin plus an aminoglycoside is a reasonable choice. Empiric treatment for prosthetic valve endocarditis is vancomycin plus gentamicin plus either cefepime or a carbapenem. Question 39. What are the classic signs and symptoms of endocarditis? Look for general signs of infection, such as fever, tachycardia, and malaise, plus new-onset heart murmur, embolic phenomenon, such as stroke and other infarcts, Osler nodes, which are painful nodules on the tips of the fingers, Janeway lesions, which are non-tender erythematous lesions on the palms and soles, Roth spots, which are round retinal hemorrhages with white centers, and septic shock, which is more likely with acute than subacute disease. Question 40. What elements of the history point to endocarditis? Look for patients who are more likely to be affected for endocarditis, including the following. IV drug abusers, who usually have right-sided lesions. Left-sided lesions are much more common in the general population. Patients with abnormal heart valves, such as prosthetic valves, rheumatic valvular disease, congenital heart defects such as ventricular septal defects, or tetralogy of Fallot. Post-operative patients, especially after dental surgery. Question 41. What are the recommendations for endocarditis prophylaxis? The 2008 American Heart Association recommendations conclude that only an extremely small number of cases of infective endocarditis might be prevented by antibiotic prophylaxis for dental procedures. Cardiac conditions for which prophylaxis with dental procedures is recommended include prosthetic cardiac valve, previous infectious endocarditis, congenital heart disease, and cardiac transplant recipients who develop valvulopathy. Antibiotic prophylaxis is no longer recommended for genitourinary or gastrointestinal procedures. If a prophylactic antibiotic is indicated, it should be administered in a single dose before the procedure. Amoxicillin is a preferred choice for oral therapy. Cephalexin, clindamycin, azithromycin, or clarithromycin may be used in patients with penicillin allergy. Ampicillin, cefazolin, ceftriaxone, or clindamycin may be used for patients unable to take oral medication. Question 42. What is the classic age group for meningitis? Describe the physical findings. Neonates are the classic age group for meningitis. 75% of all cases occur in children younger than two years. Deciding when when to do a lumbar tap is difficult because patients often do not have classic physical findings such as Koenig or Brzezinski signs. Look for lethargy, hyper or hypothermia, poor muscle tone, bulging fontanelle, vomiting, photophobia, altered consciousness, and signs of generalized sepsis, such as hypotension, jaundice, or respiratory distress. Seizures may also be seen, but simple febrile seizures are common in the absence of meningitis if the patient is between 5 months and 6 years old. Febrile seizures are not related to the severity of the temperature, but may be related to the rate of rise of the temperature. The maximum height of a fever, as opposed to the rate of rise, is the main determinant of risk in febrile seizures. Question 43. 
What should you do if you suspect meningitis? In the absence of trauma, do a lumbar puncture immediately and begin broad-spectrum antibiotics and IV fluids. Do not wait for culture or other results to start antibiotics. Question 44. What is the most common neurologic sequela of meningitis? Hearing loss. All pediatric and many adult patients need formal hearing evaluation after recovering from meningitis. Vision testing is also recommended. Other sequelae include intellectual disability, motor deficits or paresis, epilepsy, and learning and behavioral disorders. Dexamethasone may help reduce the incidence of hearing loss in patients with meningitis. Question 45. What are the common viral or aseptic causes of meningitis in children? Mumps and measles meningitis may be seen in children who are not immunized. The best treatment is prevention via immunization. Watch for neonatal herpes encephalitis, HSV2, if the mother has genital lesions of herpes simplex virus at the time of delivery. Other children and adults can develop HSV1 herpes encephalitis, which classically affects the temporal lobes on a head CT scan or MRI. Give IV acyclovir. Question 46. Which types of bacterial meningitis require antibiotic prophylaxis in contacts? Neisseria meningitidis and Haemophilus influenza. If a case of meningitis is due to Neisseria, give all contacts rifampin, ciprofloxacin, ceftriaxone, or azithromycin as prophylaxis. Rifampin is used for Haemophilus influenza meningitis prophylaxis. Question 47. What are the big three respiratory infections in patients younger than five years? Croup, epiglottitis, and respiratory syncytial virus, RSV bronchiolitis. These three diseases are high yield on the USMLE. Question 48. How do you recognize croup or acute? laryngotracheitis. Describe the cause and treatment. The disease begins with symptoms of viral upper respiratory infection, such as rhinorrhea, cough, and fever. Roughly one to two days later, patients develop a barking cough, hoarseness, and inspiratory stridor. The steeple sign, which describes subglottic narrowing of the trachea, is classic on a frontal radiograph of the chest or neck. Look for a child one to two years of age. Croup usually occurs in the fall or winter. 50% to 75% of cases are due to infection with parainfluenza virus. The other common causative agent is influenza virus. Treat with dexamethasone, racemic epinephrine, a mist tent, and humidified oxygen. Question 49. How do you recognize epiglottitis? Describe the cause and treatment. Epiglottitis usually occurs in children 2 to 5 years old. The main cause is Haemophilus influenza type B. Thus, widespread vaccination has significantly reduced the incidence of this condition. Staph aureus, strep pyogenes, and strep pneumoniae are other potential causes. Look for little or no prodrome with rapid progression to high fever, toxic appearance, drooling, and respiratory distress with no coughing. The three Ds, drooling, dysphagia, and distress. 
in unvaccinated children less than two to five years old. The thumb sign, which describes a swollen, enlarged epiglottis, is classic on lateral radiographs of the neck. Do not examine the throat or irritate the child in any way. You may precipitate airway obstruction. When a case of epiglottitis is diagnosed, the first step is to be prepared to establish an airway with intubation and, if needed, tracheostomy. Treat with a combination of oxacillin or cefazolin or clindamycin or vancomycin plus either cefotaxime or ceftriaxone. Question 50. Describe the classic clinical vignette for bronchiolitis. What is the cause? How is it treated? Bronchiolitis generally affects children 0 to 18 months and usually occurs in the fall or winter. More than 75% of cases are caused by RSV. Other causes are parainfluenza and influenza viruses. Patients first develop symptoms of viral upper respiratory infection, followed one to two days later by rapid respirations, intercostal retractions, and expiratory wheezing. The child may have crackles on auscultation of the chest. Diffuse hyperinflation of the lungs is classic on chest radiograph. Look for flattened diaphragms. Treat supportively with oxygen, mist tent, bronchodilators, and IV fluids. Question 51. What old-school pediatric infection causes pseudomembranes and myocarditis? What about whooping cough? Diphtheria, which is Perinibacterium diphtheriae, and pertussis, which is Bordetella pertussis, respectively. Diphtheria is quite uncommon in the United States because of mandatory vaccination. Pertussis was uncommon, but the incidence has been increasing significantly over the past 20 years. If a child is unimmunized, don't forget these two entities. Diphtheria causes grayish pseudomembranes, which is necrotic epithelium and inflammatory exudate, on the pharynx, tonsils, and uvula, as well as myocarditis. Pertussis is associated with severe paroxysmal coughing and a high-pitched whooping inspiratory noise, traditionally called whooping cough, particularly in children and especially those under one year of age. Treat diphtheria with antitoxin and either penicillin or erythromycin. Treat pertussis with azithromycin or erythromycin. Question 52. In what clinical scenario does rabies occur in the United States? Describe the classic physical findings. Rabies in the United States is due to bites from bats, skunks, raccoons, or foxes. Rabies due to bites from dogs is rare due to vaccination. The incubation period is usually around one to two months. The classic findings are hydrophobia, fear of water due to painful swallowing, and CNS signs such as paralysis. Question 53. What should you do after a patient is bitten by an animal? 1. Treat the local wound. Cleanse thoroughly with soap. Do not cauterize or suture the wound. Amoxicillin clavulanate is often given for cellulitis prophylaxis. 2. Observe the animal, if possible. Capture and observe the dog or cat to see if it develops rabies. If a wild animal is caught, it should be killed and the brain tissue examined for rabies. 3. 
If the wild animal escapes or has rabies, give rabies immunoglobulin and vaccinate the patient. In cases of a dog or cat bite, do not give prophylaxis or vaccine unless the animal acted strangely or bit the patient without provocation and rabies is prevalent in the area, which is rare. Do not give prophylaxis or vaccine for rabbit or small rodent bites, such as rats, mice, squirrels, or chipmunks. Question 54. What are the main two infections caused by S. pyogenes, group A streptococci? What are the common sequelae? Strep pyogenes causes pharyngitis and skin infections. Sequelae include rheumatic fever, scarlet fever, and post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Question 55. How does streptococcal pharyngitis present? How do you diagnose and treat it? Look for sore throat with fever, tonsillar exudate, enlarged tender cervical nodes, and leukocytosis. A positive streptococcal throat culture confirms the diagnosis. Elevated titers of anti-streptolysin O and anti-DNA antibody can be used for a retrospective diagnosis in patients with rheumatic fever or post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Treat streptococcal pharyngitis with penicillin, amoxicillin, cephalosporin, macrolide, or clindamycin to avoid rheumatic fever and scarlet fever. Question 56. What are the major and minor Jones criteria for rheumatic fever? Why is rheumatic fever less common today? The five major Jones criteria include migratory polyarthritis, carditis, central nervous system involvement, or chorea, erythema marginatum, and subcutaneous nodules. The minor Jones criteria include fever, arthralgia, elevated ESR or CRP, and prolonged PR interval on electrocardiogram. The diagnosis of rheumatic fever requires a history of streptococcal infection and the presence of two of the major criteria or one major criterion plus two minor criteria. Treatment of streptococcal pharyngitis with antibiotics markedly reduces the incidence of rheumatic fever. Thus, it is less common today. Give all patients affected by rheumatic fever endocarditis prophylaxis before surgical procedures. Question 57. How do you recognize post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis? How is it treated? Post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis occurs most commonly after a streptococcal skin infection, but it may also occur after pharyngitis. Patients are usually children and generally present with the history of infection with a nephritogenic strain of Streptococcus species one to three weeks earlier, an abrupt onset of hematuria, proteinuria, which is mild and not in the nephrotic range, red blood cell casts, hypertension, edema, especially periorbital, and elevated BUN and creatinine. Treat supportively, control blood pressure, and use diuretics for severe edema. Treatment of streptococcal infections does not reduce the incidence of post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Question 58. Distinguish between impetigo and erysipelas. 
Both are superficial skin infections due to streptococci or staph aureus and often occur after a break in the skin, such as trauma, scabies, or insect bite. Impetigo classically changes first from maculopapules to vesicopustules and bullae, and then to honey-colored crusted lesions. Staphylococci are a more frequent cause than streptococci. Definitely think of staphylococci if a furuncle or carbuncle is present. Think of streptococci if glomerulonephritis develops. Impetigo is contagious, so watch for sick contacts. If there are a limited number of lesions without bullae, topical mupiracin may be used. If there are bullous or many lesions, treat with dicloxacillin, cephalexin, or clindamycin. Erysipelas is a superficial cellulitis. It involves the upper dermis and superficial lymphatics that appears red, shiny, and swollen. It is tender and may be associated with vesicles or bullae, fever, and lymphadenopathy. Erysipelas typically has well-demarcated and raised borders. Treat with penicillin or amoxicillin, though erysipelas may require parenteral therapy with a cephalosporin, such as ceftriaxone or cefazolin, if systemic symptoms such as fever and chills are present. Question 59. What organisms typically cause cellulitis? What special circumstances should make you think of atypical causes? Streptococci and staphylococci cause most cases. Think of Pseudomonas species with burns or severe trauma, of Pasteurella multicida after dog or cat bites, and treat with ampicillin. Think of Vibrio vulnificans in fishermen or other patients exposed to salt water, and treat with tetracycline. Diabetic patients with foot ulcers tend to have polymicrobial infections and need powerful broad-spectrum antibiotic coverage. Question 60. Describe the physical findings of cellulitis. In patients with cellulitis, the involved overlying skin is red, hot, and frequently tender. It looks like erysipelas, but involves deeper dermis and subcutaneous fat. Antibiotic selection depends on whether the cellulitis is purulent or non-purulent. These are newer terms and are designations within the 2011 Infectious Disease Society of America Clinical Practice Guidelines for MRSA. The idea is that a purulent infection may be caused by staph aureus. Oral treatment options for purulent cellulitis are trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, doxycycline, clindamycin, and linazolid. Oral treatment options for non-purulent cellulitis are dicloxacillin, cephalexin, and clindamycin. Question 61. Define necrotizing fasciitis. How is it treated? Necrotizing fasciitis is defined as a progression of cellulitis to necrosis and gangrene, which can quickly become limb and life-threatening. Watch for crepitus and signs of systemic toxicity, such as tachycardia, fever, and hypotension. Often, multiple organisms are involved, aerobes and anaerobes. Treat with IV fluids, aggressive surgical debridement, and broad-spectrum antibiotics. This includes a carbapenem, such as imipenem or miropenem, plus clindamycin, plus vancomycin. Question 62. 
What is the most common cause of endometritis? How do you recognize and treat it? Consider endometritis, an infection of the endometrial lining, in any postpartum woman with a fever. The hallmark is uterine tenderness, and the most common cause is streptococcus species, though it is often polymicrobial. Treat with clindamycin plus gentamicin after getting local cultures. Question 63. What infection in neonates is caused by streptococcus agalactiae, or group B streptococci? Streptococcus agalactiae is the most common cause of neonatal meningitis or sepsis. The organism is often part of normal vaginal flora and may be acquired from the birth canal. Group B streptococci are penicillin-sensitive. Expectant mothers are cultured for group B strep, and if it is present around the time of delivery, then prophylactic IV penicillin is preferred or IV ampicillin is given to the mother to prevent meningitis in the newborn. Question 64. Other than pneumonia, what infections does strep pneumonia commonly cause? Otitis media, meningitis, sinusitis, and spontaneous bacterial peritonitis. Question 65. What are the main infections caused by Staph aureus? The list is long. Staph aureus is a common cause of the following infections. Skin and soft tissue abscesses, especially in the breast after breastfeeding or in the skin after a furuncle. Endocarditis, especially in drug users. Osteomyelitis, the most common cause unless sickle cell disease is present. Septic arthritis, infection of prosthetic material such as grafts, shunts, and orthopedic devices. Food poisoning via a preformed toxin, toxic shock syndrome via a preformed toxin, scalded skin syndromes via a preformed toxin. It affects younger children who often present with impetigo, then desquamate. Impetigo, cellulitis, wound infections, pneumonia, where it often forms lung abscesses or empyema, and furuncles and carbuncles. Question 66. What is the treatment of choice for staphylococcal infections on the USMLE? An anti-staphylococcal penicillin, such as methicillin or dicloxacillin. Use vancomycin, clindamycin, doxycycline, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, or linazolid if the staphylococcal species is known to be methicillin-resistant or if MRSA is suspected. MRSA is a rapidly growing problem. Most abscesses, regardless of the causative organism, must be treated first with surgical incision and drainage because antibiotics cannot penetrate through the walls of an abscess cavity. Question 67. Cover up the right-hand column in the table below and describe the preferred treatment for tuberculosis based on the clinical scenario. For an exposed adult with a negative PPD test, no treatment is needed. For an exposed child younger than five years old with a negative PPD, treat with INH, isoniazid, for three months, then repeat the PPD. Treatment for PPD conversion from negative to positive and no active disease. That's treated with INH for nine months. Active pulmonary disease or positive culture 
is treated with INH, rifampin, pyrazinamide, and ethambutol for two months, then INH with rifampin for four months in most patients. Question 68. Name some other important tuberculosis treatment issues. Multidrug resistant strains are an increasing problem and require four drug therapy with pyrazinamide, isoniazid, ethambutol, and rifampin in most circumstances. If the patient is non-compliant, directly observed therapy is recommended. Consider supplementation with vitamin B6 pyridoxine for patients on INH, or watch for signs of deficiency such as neuropathy, confusion, angular chelitis, or a seborrheic dermatitis-like rash. Watch for liver dysfunction in patients on therapy. Patients should be advised to abstain from alcohol while on treatment and should have their transaminase levels monitored. That's the end of this chapter. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, my publishing company behind USMLE Step 2 Secrets, for allowing us to put out this book in audio format. Please check out the other Inside the Boards podcasts over at InsideTheBoards.com including the main Inside the Boards podcast and the Inside the Boards Study Smarter series for question breakdowns and tips on getting through medical school. And with that, we wrap up today's episode of USMLE Step 2 Secrets. Hi, this is Ted O'Connell. I just wanted to let you know real quick that when the time comes for you to begin studying for the USMLE Step 3 We actually now have a USMLE Step 3 subscription podcast, so I encourage you to check that out over at medpreptogo.com. We have sample episodes available, and even if you're studying for Step 2, you may actually find some of this content uh, really useful for your studies, so please do check it out.